You know the saying, I wish you could have been there? That's how I feel after I have each and every conversation with a guest on People Presence. And so I'm so glad that I get to share these amazing conversations with you, that you're not having to rely on my inability to summarize well all the emotion, all the thoughtfulness, all the wisdom that any of my guests share with me. That's why I love podcasting. And I don't want you to miss any episodes. So when you listen to today's episode, go ahead and hit that follow button on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast on so that you won't miss an episode. My goal right now is to release an episode once a week But real life and family needs and work needs and all these things, I'm not sure if that's going to be reality. I'll do the best I can, but please go ahead and hit follow and you won't miss anything whenever I release an episode. Also, I'd love to know what you're thinking about this podcast. Not to build myself up, but I want to tailor it to what you all as listeners want it to be. Go ahead and leave me a review um, with the stars or comments. Also, you can connect with me over on Instagram. Karen, K-R-Y-N dot H-O-B-S-O-N. So it's my name, Karen dot Hobson on Instagram. I like to put up um, photos of my guests there as well. If you ever want to check out what, what do these people look like that I'm listening to? I'd love to share that with you over there. Okay, let's get on with the conversation for today. Allison Lutz is our guest. We're dishing on all things health and healing. We chat about accountability and I didn't know that Allison felt the love towards me as much as I feel towards her. So it was an encouraging conversation for me because we are a reciprocal relationship. She gets out of the relationship and I get out of the relationship. I bet you have someone like that in your own life. You might not have stopped long enough to think about who that person is, but I bet you do. All right, let's go ahead and chat with Allison. Hey there, this is People Presence, and I'm your host, Karen Hobson. This is a podcast where I interview a special guest. My hope is that through hearing their stories, you will learn something new. You might grow in your own perspective, and hopefully it'll cause you to reflect on your own life story a little bit more. I believe that every person is a present. So let's listen as we enjoy a conversation and practice the art of being present. All right, today on People Presence, I have my good friend, Allison Lutz. Thanks for being here, Allison. Well, thanks for having me, Karen. And Allison and I know each other from our mom worlds. We met through our kids. Um, but Allison, tell us a little bit about where you find yourself and what season of life right now. Like, how would you define work life, personal life, all the things? Yeah, so I'm in a busy season. I guess, you know, that's very cliche. Yeah. But, um, you know, I have kids ranging from 17, um, maybe 18 this year, my oldest, all the way down to a just turned three-year-old. And um, I have four kids total. Yeah. And it feels like everyone has a lot of needs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm constantly, you know, my, my main roles obviously are as mom. Mm-hmm. I'm also a homeschooling mom. I'm also, you know, the food provider, the homemaker, the keeper of the schedules, and the taxi driver. That's Mm -hmm. a huge chunk of my life. I think it's important to note that in your uh, season of motherhood, you have four children, but you only have one driver. Correct. So that's huge. That is, you really are the taxi for a lot of other people. And you are married. 
I am. Yeah. I'm married to my spouse. It will be 20 years in July. So exciting. Yes. So exciting. And yes. you are not originally from the East Coast. No, I'm. we're both from California. We met in California, and but we've been in Maryland now for um, almost 18 years. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever think when you were growing up in California that you would live on the East Coast? No. Like, is it basically the equivalent of, like, living on Mars? Like, is it that different culturally and everything? No, it's not that different. There are distinct differences between the East Coast and the West Coast. They're hard to pinpoint at times, but if you've lived both places, you can see the differences. Yeah. Are you happy being on the East Coast? For the most part. I mean, we're, my husband and I, we are happy with our lives here. We are happy with his employment and, you know, we're happy with the lifestyle we have and the activities our kids are in and the community we have mm-hmm. built. We miss having family mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the times in my, in the last 18 years where I have felt like we need to move back to California, it's usually because of some sort of family crisis right. and I feel too far away. Mm -hmm. So that is hard. I really don't have a desire to move back to California per se. Mm -hmm. I just wish I lived closer to our families. I think that's so interesting because some people either feel like all the parts of my life are good or like they're unhappy with all of it. But you just described beautifully. It can be that mixed bag. Like I love these parts of my life, but I don't really love this part of my life. Right. And that it's not a constant ache for you. You've come to terms with it after 18 years, but there are times when you wish it were different. Yes. Yes, for sure. So one thing I really wanted to talk with you about is the blessing and present that you have been in my life in homeopathic healing and just taking ownership over your own health journey. Um, Something that you and I related on, there's been many seasons of our our friendship and things, um, but we used to get together and bake and we would bake glutinous, wonderful, carbohydrate filled things and we would drink wine together and that's not the season of life we find ourselves now. Oh, aren't we're in such a different world yeah. right now. Yeah. But I'm so thankful that we pivoted together. Like you were ahead of me in that pivot, but then now that I'm there as well, it's so, so helpful. So tell our listeners, why are you not eating gluten bread right now? Yes. Like, what's your story? Yes. So, um... I guess the reason that I don't eat gluten is because I have Hashimoto's, which is a, a thyroid disorder. It's an autoimmune thyroid disorder. Okay. It causes hypothyroidism. And um, they suspect that gluten mimics um, the the protein. Let's see. I might get this wrong. But okay. I think it's the protein, your, your thyroid... Mm, gland. I should have looked this up. It it, it it mimics it, and so it causes more damage if okay. you're constantly flooding your thyroid with the gluten protein. Okay, it can cause more damage. So they do a lot of bodies of work and um, some science says that it's probably not a bad idea for people with Hashimoto's to be gluten free. And so when I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. I realized that that was something I was going to have to do. And I kind of just leaped. I'm very impulsive with this sort of thing. Really? Uh, yeah. I, and then and then it hits me. But, yeah, so I kind of leaped. I became gluten-free. And I had been gluten-free for... I feel like you were on, like, the more of the early gluten-free train, too. Like, societally speaking. Yes. Well, Karen, do you remember when I was nursing... I would have to do an elimination diet. Yes, because babies would get sick. Yes, mm-hmm, all of my mm-hmm. kids had intolerances, mm-hmm. and gluten for two of them was a major trigger mm-hmm. um, when they were when they were babies, and it would pass through my milk. And so I did elimination diet. So I was familiar with doing elimination yeah. diets. They're hard. I, I mean, I won't lie; it's a very hard thing. Um, 
But when I did go gluten-free for my thyroid, um, I had been gluten-free for, I think, probably two years, almost two years, mm-hmm. and I was traveling, oh. and it was totally my fault. I, I didn't think. I didn't think to ask. I had picked a restaurant that was like organic and like had paleo yeah. and just I don't know I just assumed everything would be safe for I me. hate that <laughs> I didn't think and I remember I was eating and um I was asking my husband what is on these sweet potato like chunks it's really really good really good and I couldn't place the flavor I'd been gluten-free for two years yeah and he took tasted it and he's like I don't really I think it was breadcrumbs, Karen, of some sort. I don't know. I ate all those sweet potatoes. And about an hour later, I started realizing that I wasn't, something hadn't agreed with me. Mm -hmm. And I ended up with GI trouble for Mm -hmm. about three days. Pretty Mm. significant GI trouble. But also, starting that night, I felt like I had the flu. Mm. Like, that's how sick I got. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a fever, but it was everything that you feel when you get the flu. Gluten makes me so ill, which makes me look back and think, how did I do 40 years of, like, all gluten all the time? We, like, prided ourselves on our baking. Like, we would go to the Amish market together and be like, we don't need to buy that. We can make it. Like, we would make cinnamon. So I just feel sad but not sad, right? Like, that yes. was a beautiful season of our life. Yes. Like, I was just thinking about you the other day. Like, we would make bread and add extra gluten to it to help it rise. Oh, yes. Like, yes. <laughs> you look back, you're like, oh, my gosh. But I want to back the tramp a little bit. Yes. Like, even the fact that you were mindful enough, like, and homeopathic, thinking outside the box enough in your nursing of your children. Like, how did you even get to be that person? Like, some other people would be like, oh, my baby's sick. I don't know what's wrong. And maybe not just keep plowing along, but, like, your science brain is an amazing thing. And I love that about you because, like, whenever I have a research question, I'm like, Allison, you're my girl. How do we handle this? Like, (laughs) you are such a researcher. How do you do that? Well, so I do think that around the time that I got married and started having children was when the internet for me took off. Maybe it took off for other people earlier, but this is like, you know, between 2000, 2005, it's when the internet became a thing in my life. Okay. And the thing about the internet is that information is free and it's Mm -hmm. readily available. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, there's like too much information and it's all conflicting. You have to be very discerning about what what you allow in. But it really opened the world to me of being able to find information and answers. And I think, honestly, the root of where it all started was I wanted a natural birth with my first. Yes. And so I did a lot of reading and research on that. And why did you even want that though? Well, but the reason I wanted that is because of, um, past trauma with hospitals. Oh, right. I did not, hospitals made me very uncomfortable and I did not want to be in a hospital for a birth. So I planned a birth center birth, um, for my first and then, you know, went into all the reading on that and that kind of dovetails. Obviously folks who are planning natural births, tend to predominantly want to breastfeed mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. that leads into attachment parenting and all of that. So it kind of opened my eyes to this world and made me want all of that. Mm-hmm. Me. Um, and so, and then as a mom, I've always trusted my intuition. I That's just fascinating. feel like moms, moms know best. But I also think you and I've talked about the Enneagram. You're an Enneagram one. And that, I know you haven't gone as deep as into it as I have, but that's part of the gut triad, 
which you trust your gut. I don't. I trust my feelings. And my husband is a one. And that's fascinating to me. Like he, I I honestly, I'm a bad judge of character. I'm a bad judge of like my gut. I don't trust my gut. So yes, moms have intuition. I would say for me though, it's more like, how does it feel? Oh gosh. I wouldn't say gut because I'm like, oh, I don't know. I might be wrong. Like that's another thing I love about you. You just feel like this is the right path. Like you have this confidence about you. I... I think I do do that sometimes. I remember going back to the babies. I remember with my third, right? I had had to do elimination diets with my first and second. So I went into the third knowing probably full well that at some point we would have yeah. to do this. And you don't have to do it day one necessarily. right? And um, my daughter was about four weeks old. It was approaching Easter. I mean, I remember this distinctly. And she had baby acne. But Karen, it was not baby acne. Mm-hmm. Her face was inflamed. Mm. And I was like, this is not right. This is just not right. And you were already gluten-free at this point. No, I okay. wasn't. Okay. Um, and yes, because I, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's after she okay. was born. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking at her like, this is not right. I, I have to I have to pull. I, you, you pull, usually you go on a strict elimination diet, you pull like the top eight allergens out. Eight. Wow, that's yeah. a lot. I thought it was like three or four. No, it's like eight. The top, like all the things that are, are big allergens, okay. pull those out and then slowly add things back in and see what the kids react to. Um, and my husband, it's hard when I go on an elimination diet because I get moody. <laughs> I mean, it's depressing. Mm-hmm. You can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You can't get any help with meals. Because right, you right. Because you can't eat anything. Yeah, someone from like your church community or friend, if they're like, hey, can I make you a meal? You're like, yeah, can you make me a meal and don't have this, 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 this? And, and this I would and never it. say that. Right. So it's like you can bring a meal from my family, but you right. can't bring one for me. And then it's it just makes life complicated. So I don't think he had any desire for me to go on yet another elimination <laughs> diet. And he's like, it's just baby acne. She's fine. And I'm like, no. Yeah. This is not right. And wouldn't you know, I el- started an elimination diet on Easter Sunday. Started an elimination diet, and within two days, her skin had cleared up. Wow. Oh, it was... Yes. I think that's something that's amazing, too, in my own food journey, about how when you clean up your diet, if that's really the problem, the trigger, how quickly you see results. Yes. Like, and it's if amazing. You, if you've cleaned it, and then you deviate, mm-hmm. how quickly you see results yeah. the other direction. Yeah. How quickly you're like, oh, wow. I My skin was clear, 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 and then I went and ate dairy, and now I'm a mess. Yeah. You know? Now, how did you keep track of what you were eating? Like, are you a journaler? Are you, like, a, taking pictures of your phone, your food stuff? Like, how did you do it? So... Um, I'm trying to think. I don't remember how I did it with the babies. Remember, it's who knew it's you just can't newborns. <laughs> like I, you know, who even knows? When I, what I did when I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's and was having all of the issues with that is I had heard about the whole thirty. Okay, and it's you know I know a lot of people think it's a fad diet, but at its root, it's an elimination diet, and yeah. it's not supposed to be permanent. And so that's where I actually started. Um, was with a whole thirty, and I do remember journaling for like those. 30 days. And when we say journaling, we don't mean like emotional feelings. No. We're talking about like I ate toast or not toast, but you know what I mean? Like I ate eggs and I would guacamole. write breakfast, lunch, dinner, yeah. snacks, whatever I was eating. And then I would make any notes if I had symptoms. Mm-hmm. Like at the time I was having a lot of GI issues mm-hmm. as well. I would note what I, and mm-hmm. within two weeks of being on a whole 30, I finally realized that I'm intolerant to eggs. Which is the saddest thing. Cause at this point, 
You have your chicken run in the back of your house. Yeah, I have backyard chickens. I love eggs. And I was I was very intolerant to Like, them. you have chicken decor in your home. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like, you know, eggs, whatever. I like them. Like, you kind of have a chicken obsession a little yeah. bit, would you say? I love chickens. I love my yeah. chickens. I still love my chickens. Okay. I, I That's impressive because yeah. I would be a little bit, like, grumpy at the chickens no. if I were you. No. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, but because the elimination diets, they do show you really quick what's good and what's not. Yeah. Um, but it was about three weeks into the whole 30, it was not getting the results that I was looking mm-hmm. for. And I had known in the back of my head, I might have to go full AIP, which is the autoimmune protocol, which is so restrictive, so restrictive. But how did you know that AIP was going to be the next right step for you? It just was something I had read that people with autoimmune diseases and specifically Hashimoto's have had luck with. Okay. And it's really a healing um, it's a healing plan as well as being an elimination diet as well. Um, and is AIP supposed to be like a lifestyle from here on out or is it supposed to be like cleaned up for a year or two or how's it supposed to work? So, um, I'm not an expert on AIP, but again, at its root, it's more of an elimination diet Mm -hmm. and you are supposed to test things back in and they recommend what you test and when based on most people's experiences with what's the most inflammatory, um, like, so for AIP, I had to pull like all seeds. So wow. that's like cumin, your spice oh, and black pepper and mustard. You're thinking about like a lot of things that make food flavorful. Yeah. No go with AIP cough. I had to stop coffee. Oh gosh. Yeah. That was tough. Um, you know, so it was, it was, you know, the whole 30 took it one step. And I'm actually glad I did it in those stages yeah. because going straight to AIP would have been a real shock. Yeah. But I had already cut for three weeks, you know, sugar, alcohol, um, gluten. I remember when you cut alcohol because I remember like you and your husband, you enjoy wine. Like, Absolutely. It was a big thing. So yes. something I want to share with our listeners is like, it is a huge lifestyle change. You can't just say, I'm going to do this and not make it like a public announcement. Yes. You have to make yes. it public. Yes. Because uh, it's so all-encompassing. It's everything. And it changes your socialization and all these things. And I would also like to say, you can't do it alone. Like when, fast forward a couple of years after you did yours, I did mine. And I called you like right away. Like earlier on, I'm like, yeah. Allison, I'm going to do this. How is it going to work? Like I need you to hold my hand and be my coach. But I think I told you it would be hard. Oh, sure. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. like not, I because I would, I would never like recommend someone oh do the AIP like it's too much um but you can still be a support to someone who's I think I think what happened with me is I got sick and tired of being sick and tired yes and so I was ready and when people are ready having a support person or people is so important Mm -hmm. and um you don't want naysayers in your life. You don't right. want people who are skeptics right. or who look at you weird. Or- well, we're going to have those. And I've shared uh, other times, like, I literally have you as a picture of the good angel on my shoulder when I'm in social settings. And I have those naysayers, right? Like, someone's like, oh, please have this pizza, pizza. And I'm thinking, I will die if I eat that pizza, you know? Yeah. But in your mind, you have to have your team. You have to have your people. People, well-meaning or not, like, they're going to say stupid stuff about your diet choices. Right. But you need to have your cheerleaders, the people that are going to come alongside you. And just so we are clear on this, like we are not saying diet for weight loss or diet for any, we're talking about diet because our bodies were so inflamed and various autoimmune diseases were so active 
that we both felt like, I guess this is getting old. Like you had joint pain. I had shoulder pain. I had terrible GI distress. Like at the time when my disease was most active, I was having bowel movements eight and nine times a day. And I thought that was normal. Right. Because you don't know any difference. Right. And it sneaks up on you too. Yes. You get in this busy season of life and you're like, I guess this is what getting old looks like. So one of the takeaways from today's conversation that I want people to have is pay attention to your body. Absolutely. Pay attention. It's telling you something. It sends all the messages. But I think you being more introverted, you are more aware of your body than I am at times. Okay. Because I think you are more cerebral and thinking about it more, whereas I'm like, just go, go, go loud. I'm not, you know, outside of my, outside of myself so much that I don't slow down enough to be like, does this feel right? Does this feel normal? And I know that feels kind of like woo woo, touchy feely or whatever, but you need to do that, especially as we both got to our late 30s and 40s. Yes. Everything changes. <laughs> it does. I mean, your body becomes louder, I think, yeah. with its messages. It's less... And my body was probably sending me messages all along, yeah. and I maybe wasn't hearing them, or I didn't want to hear them. Mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of people get stuck, is they don't want to know. Because who really wants to go cut gluten out of their life? That's right. not fun. Or alcohol, right. or sugar, or... All the other things that we love that are a huge part of our social fabric, too. Mm -hmm. Food is a huge part of, you know, who we are as a culture. And, um, you know, nobody really wants to do Mm -hmm. that. So I think it takes our bodies being like, hold up, we're just not going to function at all for you right now. We're going to make life so challenging that you have to pay attention and try something. And, you know, Western medicine has has things to offer. Yes. Has things to offer, um, but... I think for for more comprehensive healing and um, health and mm-hmm. comfort in your own skin, you do have to take some of the other steps. Some of the steps, you know, that the AIP talks about, obviously a huge component is the food, is the mm-hmm. diet. But also sleep. Yes. Sleep quality, making sure you have a, you know, a healthy, a, a healthy pattern for mm-hmm. your sleep. Um and they talk a lot about exercise, but the type of exercise with AIP, a lot of people, you're in so much inflammation and so much stress that you really need to do gentle, mm-hmm. right? Whereas our culture says if you're going to exercise, you need to go hard and fast. Like CrossFit. And, yeah. yeah. Like, like, and, yeah. And, and that's great if your body's good with that. But with AIP, I had, I literally, I stopped wearing a Fitbit. I was like, this is not healthy for me. You know, mm. I'm, I'm a competitive person. That Fitbit made me like <laughs> want to go like beat everybody every week and get all these steps. But I needed to chill. Yeah. I needed to not worry about that. You yeah. know. Um, so there's there's various components to like changing your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Of course, then I went and became a foster parent, which is definitely not low stress. No, at that all. is not. So that was probably not the greatest plan on that level, but. You know, you pick and choose. Um, I don't think I would have been able to become a foster parent had I not changed my lifestyle. I think looking back, because as an observer of your life, not only when you changed your diet did it change your physical well-being, you were less stressed just on the outside. You You had a longer fuse with your kids. You were just more understanding. You were more compassionate. Like, And I think I've seen this in other people who modify their diet or lifestyle changes. You just felt so bad. Like, think about it when you feel like you have the flu. You're not nice to people. Because you don't feel good. Yes. You know? And so it makes sense. And I've seen it in you and I've seen it in others. And I'm like, that's powerful. Right? Yes. Yes. And so what made you want to even consider 
adding the diet? Like, why didn't you just take some pills, like the doctor said, and do well enough alone? Yeah, so, you know, um, I was, you know, so I was diagnosed. My doctor noticed that my thyroid levels were high. And are we talking like a regular primary doctor, Mm -hmm. not a homeopathic? Actually, before I had my daughter, um, during an annual checkup with my midwife, they ran labs and flagged me for thyroid. Okay. And remember, I don't like doc. I mean, I'm fine with doctors. I don't like hospitals. I don't like the idea of being sick. The idea of a chronic disease was like not comfortable <laughs> for me at all. And so I did a little reading and they sent me, you know, go see a primary care. Mm-hmm. So I went to a doctor and he was like, your thyroid is fine. And I was like, yay, my thyroid is fine. A Western normal primary care. Okay, okay. And I let it be at that. And I actually think it was a miracle that I was able to carry my daughter's pregnancy because Uh my thyroid was not fine. And I know that now because I've done all the research on thyroid. I had no business walking out of that office without medication because they tested you for one element well they so they tested me for tsh and it was which is your overall thyroid thing right yeah it's what they it's their main test for it and it was definitely elevated but it wasn't so high that it mandates Treatment. treatment it's called subclinical thyroidism so when i you know after my daughter was born i had a new doctor and they, it got flagged again, she said, you know, you're subclinical, you can either, we can treat you and see how you feel, or we cannot, that's your choice. And at that point, I was having enough things that were starting to make, you know, I'm approaching 40, mm-hmm. and I was having enough things going wrong that I was like, you know, maybe it's time we mm-hmm. treat and see what happens. And so she treated, and she said, okay, now you're mm-hmm. great. And I was like, but I was living with constant brain fog, mm-hmm. and I was having. I'm a morning person. I usually hop out like of bed. like five something morning. Oh person. yeah, You're and like I crazy like hop person. out of bed, happy as clam, and I couldn't get up in the morning, and um, I couldn't wake up during the day, and I, you know, I, I was just noticing things, and I couldn't. I was I had gained quite a bit of weight, and I couldn't I couldn't lose it. I was mm-hmm. exercising, and I couldn't lose weight, and I was you know dieting, and I couldn't. And so I thought, you know, I started doing more reading about hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. and I thought I need to see an endocrinologist. Mm. And so I found an endocrinologist and she said, okay, you know, they have you treated, but you, even subclinical hypothyroidism makes people feel like garbage. Mm. I mean, really, really poor. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, you know, optimal was between a TSH of between one and two. That's Mm -hmm. what her recommendation was. And so she treated me until I was there and said, now you're great. And I said, but I'm not. I still have all of these things that are bothering me. Well, because at this point, you're starting to feel some improvement. But you know, I'm not back to normal. This isn't my golden And I had done enough reading that I'm like, oh, that's thyroid. Oh, that's thyroid. Mm -hmm. Oh, these are all these things. You're connecting the pieces. Yes. And I'm like, I, and then I had, when she died, the endocrinologist was the one that diagnosed me with Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing a lot of reading about Hashimoto's mm-hmm. and realizing I have to go gluten-free. Mm-hmm. I have to go gluten-free. That itself is, was such a lifestyle change for me. Just the gluten. Yeah. That I was like, why don't I just try this Whole30? Because if I have to cut gluten, I, I don't. You're you know, so, but I'm the same way. But I think I just, like, 
Try that is really abnormal, right? Like some people are cold turkey. I think you and I are cold turkey. Like let's just rip that bandaid off, see what happens and go from there. Not to say that's not hard, but yes. I don't want to like dilly dally. If we're going to get to health, let's get there as quick as we can. Yes. Yes. And it, I also had enough experience with elimination diets to know, pull it all out, mm-hmm. then start adding back in and you'll know what your body can tolerate and mm-hmm. what it can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I got to going to the diet pieces. I just wasn't getting the satisfaction from primary care and endocrinologist. And honestly, the endocrinologist, she was pretty dismissive the last time I was in there and just said basically, not that my symptoms were all in my head, but basically it had nothing to do with my thyroid. And I was like, hmm. And that's when I decided to pony up and pay the extra money and start seeing an integrative practitioner. And that's where I've been ever since. So that, for me, is a nice Mm. combination of Western medicine, because I still do take medication, and holistic Mm -hmm. medicine that really, you know, treats the whole person. Mm -hmm. And she treats my thyroid not to what the labs say, but to what my body says. Yes. Yes. I think that's an important point for anybody listening who's in their mid-30s or 40s. Like, I've had different symptoms as well, and I've gone to practitioners, and they pull your traditional Western medical labs, and they're like, there's nothing wrong, you're fine. And you're like, I don't feel fine. And so encouraging people, go to a second opinion. Go to a functional medicine. Go to an integrative medicine person. Like, don't take, I'm fine, it must be in my head, because your body is telling you something. Listen to it. Don't take western medicine at its face value like you it's your body you're the one that's gonna have to live with it yeah we are the experts on our body our doctors may be experts in their field but Mm -hmm. they are not an expert on Mm -hmm. your body you're Mm -hmm. the only and you're the only one that can advocate for you yeah and another thing about advocating and all these lifestyle changes at, at times for me it felt super selfish as a mom to be like i have to spend this extra money on this food or i have to spend this extra time researching or all these other things but it's so important that if you're not at your best, you can't do motherhood at its best or spouse at your best or any of the things that you're called to at your best. So it was really weird to kind of pull in and be like, I got to fix this stuff up and then I'll be ready to go back out. But it does feel like a big pulling well, into yourself. So you and I are both extremely frugal. <laughs> that's is true. I will tell you that that year that I changed everything was oh so expensive. Yeah. And people will say, oh, healthy food isn't... It is. It, it is. is more it expensive. Is. There are ways to do it, you know, less, more mm-hmm, expensive, mm-hmm. so to speak. But it is so expensive. We doubled our household grocery budget. Yeah. Um, and, and it stayed there. Mm-hmm. Because to buy the quantity of fresh fruits and vegetables, and you're not eating the cheap foods Well, anymore. and the meats, like the higher quality meats, higher quality like meats, making yeah. sure it's grass-fed or making sure it's mm-hmm. organic or free-range. I'm at a place now where I'm kind of deviating away from that because I'm healthy now. But when you're in that beginning, I'm sick phase, you really have to kind of heal your body and get to a healthier place. And then you can deviate. But from the get-go, you're totally right. It's so expensive. Well, the other thing is you're still learning a new way to cook, Mm -hmm. a new way to live. So Mm -hmm. you're trying more things. Mm -hmm. I remember they talk a lot about organ meats at the AIP. I can't do it. And so, like, I would buy chicken livers, and I tried really hard, Karen. I tried really <laughs> hard. I could just not eat those. They're just, I tried, and I just couldn't. But I'm buying new things. Right. I'm trying new things because, you know, I'm trying. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so you're doing a lot of experimentation and, and whatnot, and um, 
It's expensive. Yeah. And then, you know, the integrative practitioner, when I first started seeing the doctor I see now, uh, she was out of network. And so that's more expensive. And I don't, I remember having some conflict with the amount of money. Like it was, it was like, I know I have to do this, but yet, wow, like I'm not used to spending money on myself. Well, and I think as a mom, right, if it was your kid with Hashimoto's and the doctor said this, you're like, here you go, $5,000, $6,000, whatever we need. But I think that that's important that we model that for our kids that we are valuable too. Not that our kids don't think we're valuable, but I think it's, I think there's just so much in that. Um, You and I have also talked a lot about how our kids and family, they don't eat like us. No. And that's okay. Every family does it differently. And I appreciate that a gift you've given me is that I'm not going to force it on my kids. And with both of our diseases, there's a hereditary component of it. So there's that mommy brain freaking out like, oh my gosh, my kids are going to get these autoimmune diseases and their guts are at a worse place starting out. And we want to prevent and we want to prevent them from ever having to walk these journeys. But I love that you have helped me pivot and be like, you know what? If you need me, I'm your cheerleader. If you get diagnosed... I'm your girl. I'll hook you up. Yes. And that's been so helpful. Yes. And I actually, my daughter, she's eight now, and she is Mm gluten-free for, um, you know, I had settled into my lifestyle, and I was noticing some symptoms with her Mm -hmm. of things that just seemed off, Mm -hmm. and I said, why don't we try this? She was pretty young. And it's funny because, you know, she's eight. So there's a lot of social things where people are bringing gluten for birthdays and for this and for that. And she wants to participate in that. And as a mom, I do try to, you know, I do try when she goes places to say, hey, what are you serving? I Mm -hmm. can send her something. Let people know she's gluten-free, but I don't expect people to cater to her. Right. I'll provide. Right. But there's times when, you know, she's you know, a swim practice and they're doing donuts for their birthdays and she wants this donut. And the reality is she's not celiac. Right. So I finally just said, you know, I don't want to have a battle because Mm -hmm. that can cause issues too. I said, fine, have the donut with birthdays, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's what the extent of what we're doing. But then gluten is very addictive, especially Mm -hmm. when it's combined with fat and sugar. Hello. Very (laughs) addictive. So she starts wanting more and more and it's like, then she'll get in this pattern where she's having a little bit too much Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, she's having very strange symptoms, and we're ending up in urgent care for all wow. these strange ailments. But where she, when she's not eating gluten, we're, we're fine. fine. That's amazing. Yeah. So she's pretty good about staying gluten-free. And, you know, ultimately, it has to be her choice yes. eventually. Yeah. Right now, yeah. she's eight. I have a little bit more control over it. But, again, she goes off and, yeah. you know... She she does know though. I she's smart enough to connect the dots. Like, hey, we were in urgent care again. Guess what you were eating all mm-hmm. weekend because so and so's grandma was buying you things. You right. Know? Um, right. But then my oldest was is on the spectrum, and he we had him eating gluten, dairy, and soy free for a while, mm-hmm. and I thought it made a huge difference in his life. Mm-hmm. He didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. He didn't mm-hmm. buy into that, and so you know they get old enough. Mm-hmm. He's almost 18, and he's just not eating that way anymore. Right. And even with our spouses, right? Like, yeah. especially as as we're all aging, you know, you and I both would love for our spouses to embrace, not just support, but embrace the healthy eating lifestyle, and they're just not there yet. No. So, you know, 
how about you put that soda down? You want some tea? You want some water? <laughs> like, you know, but, you know, you can only do what you can do and you just love and, you know, move along as best you can. Um, but they are a good support. They are amazing. They are, are very lucky they are amazing. in that regard. Yes. They are amazing. Like, no matter what money you need, you need it, go get it. Yes. Like, Mike, my husband is now at the point where when I go to the store, I buy them treats, you know, like any mom does. And he's right. like, did you get a treat for yourself? Oh, that's Isn't sweet. that sweet? Yeah. And, like, I need that to be like, you know what, it's okay that I spent because as you said a moment ago, all our food is more expensive. Like the four dollars on the one chocolate bar that I can eat, you know, right. like right. So See, now, I won't do that. But if my husband goes to the store, he finds things for me. That's so sweet. See, my <laughs> husband doesn't quite know the brands yet. We're a little okay. bit still in the okay. like. Is this okay? Is this one not okay? Right. You know, so right. we're not there yet. Another part of your healing journey has been mental health. Right. What parts about that have been helpful for you, and how did you know that that was a part of your healing journey? That it wasn't just your gut. It wasn't just your mouth, what you're putting in your body. Yes. So um, I will say that when I changed my diet so drastically, I actually did struggle with mental health. It was very, it's very depressing. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. experienced quite the, yes. And I remember my husband sitting down with me and saying like, are you depressed? Are Mm. you okay? Do you need help? Because I was just, you know, moody Mm -hmm. and like not happy and um, you know, pulled out of that and went straight into foster parenting, not, not straight into, but the next mile marker. Yes. Was foster parenting, which is nothing like becoming a foster parent to bring all your demons face to face Mm -hmm. and, um, struggled a lot along that journey. And remember saying for over a year, I need to find a therapist for you. Yes. I need to find a therapist, but you know, at the time, I had six kids because of fostering. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't have time. Right. And then COVID happened, and they yeah. were six kids all home all the mm-hmm. time. And, like, when am I going to find time to find a therapist? Mm-hmm. And um, then we were down to our four that we have now. And, um, you know, I was still st- struggling. Um, our youngest is still in foster care mm-hmm. and struggling with all of the ups and downs mm-hmm. of having a child who you love be in foster care. And I remember it was it was you that basically I had talked to you about, yeah, yeah. I think I need to find a therapist. I think yeah. I need... And probably you heard it one too many times. I think I remember this conversation. I yes. think we were sitting outside. And you said, you know what, Allison? I'm going to hold you accountable. Yeah. And that was what the kick in the pants I yeah. needed. I knew that you would call me yeah. once a week yeah. and ask me, have you found one? Have you found one? Yeah. And... The first time in my life that I saw a therapist was after my brother had passed away mm-hmm. um, suddenly. Um, I was really struggling, and I had a coworker mm. who found it. One of the services through my work was some counseling services. Okay. Like, and she brought me the pamphlet, and she said, you need to call, mm-hmm. and you need to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you know someone else is holding you accountable, yeah. then I will do it. Yeah. You know, I won't necessarily do it for me. Yep. Like, I'm really guilty of, like, not doing it for me. But I was like, I'll do it because I don't want to let Karen down. (laughs) I don't want (laughs) to look like I didn't turn in my homework. Yes, exactly. And so, um, so, yeah, so then I I did start. I will say, though, this was post-COVID, and we're in a really bad place in our country right now Mm -hmm. with mental health services. And I would say that if anyone thinks to themselves, like I did for over a year, I really need to find a therapist. Call now. Yeah. Because the wait lists are insane if you can even get on a wait mm, list. Mm. Um, it's very difficult to find a practitioner right now. Um, I was put on multiple wait lists. I ended up find you know, finding mm-hmm. someone, but I never got called back on any of those wait wow. lists. Wow. 
Wow. And it's been over a year. Wow. So, you know, we, we have a, we have a crisis in our country. There is, um, some, you know, COVID changed some things with the fact that you can do telehealth, telehealth. mental health treatment. And I know there are services online mm-hmm. where you can mm-hmm. do online only. Um, so that might be a resource for people yeah. that are having trouble finding something locally. Well, and it's just less time, right? Or like Absolutely. if you have young ones, like you can go to counseling during nap time. I do. Know? That's yeah. exactly when I go to counseling. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think that that's also so important. Like, yes, mental health is important, like the professionals. But I think also as friends, to say to your friends, the close people. I'm not talking about the people in the grocery store or, you know, those people. I'm not talking about them. But like your inner circle to say, I'm not doing so great right now. Because... Not only can I ask you about it, but I can pray for you about that. And because of that vulnerability, like you have shared things with me. Like I love your counselor. Like I love her because she is so practical and gives you tools. Yes. And the tools that she has given you, you've shared with me. I use them. I tell my kids about them. Like it's just like the ripple effect of healthiness, whether it's mind or body or exercise, whatever form it's in, it really makes an impact. And I I don't want to like underestimate that in our conversation. Like you just don't know, like one passing comment you could say to someone and that could start their wheels turning. Or maybe in a year or two, they're going to come back to you and be like, you know what? I know that you eat a little bit differently. Can you tell me some more about that? Right. And I get that a lot, actually. I do. I mean, you came to me. Yeah. You said, I know you've changed everything. Yeah. You know, what did you do? How did you do it? And how, you know, how does this work? Um, I have friends come to me and ask about, you know, um, you know, neuropsych for kids and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, I'm not out there um, evangelizing right. about, oh, change your diet. Your world right, right. will be, you know, it's, it's, but if someone comes to me. Yeah then I'm more than happy to share um, because yeah, I've walked the path and I've, you know, I have, I have recipes yeah. I have ideas and I know where to buy things. This is one of the things that makes you so amazing is that you are a researcher and you are willing to disseminate the information that you have, but you do it in such a graceful, loving way that it's not forceful. And it's not like you have to do the roster. are going to be sick forever. It doesn't feel like that. It lands on like, Hey, I know something about this. If you want some help, let me know. Like you have such a gracious way about you. you. (laughs) It is so wonderful because I know I can call you and ask your opinion and you're going to tell me the information and then it's up to me what I want to do with that. So you are such a gift, Allison, in my life for all these different seasons. And I know that we'll have many more seasons ahead. Yes. Maybe gluten will come back. Maybe they'll like learn how to engineer it differently so we can eat it again. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? You know, you never know. Um, any final thoughts about what's the next step you would recommend to someone who's like their body's kind of firing off some alarm bells? Like what, what, what should they do first? What's the first thing they might want to consider? You know, I blame everything, <laughs> everything, everything. It drives my family a little crazy. I think I blame it all on food. That's okay. my first thing that I, you know, if I have one of my teenagers that's complaining about their skin, I'm like, eh, you might want to consider taking dairy out for a right. little bit, you know. Right. And I know it drives them a little crazy, but I, the whole 30, one of their, like, lines, taglines is it starts with food, mm-hmm. right? So if you're looking for a place to start, you pick a couple things, pull them out for a couple weeks, mm-hmm. and then add them back. Mm-hmm. You'll know right away. Mm-hmm. I do think that we should say, because not everyone's a scientist. Like, you are a trained scientist. Like, that's your background, legit. Um I would encourage writing it down because if they're not writing it down, I don't think they'll see that correlation as right. easily. Right. And you write down the good and the bad. Right. 
things that you're seeing that are positive mm-hmm. and things that, you know, there were a lot of surprises when I changed everything. I had broken my wrist before I'd gotten diagnosed with Hashimoto's mm-hmm. and it was the, my first bone break in my life and my bone healed great, but my soft tissue in that wrist ached all the time. And the doctor said, oh, sometimes that happens for up to a year afterwards. It just ached and ached and ached. Well, Karen, I on the AIP, I pulled nightshades out. Which are like tomatoes and peppers. Potatoes and peppers, yeah. eggplant, things like that. And if I eat nightshades in any reasonable quantity at this point, guess what aches? Your my wrist. wrist. Like even if you have some salsa. Yes, my wrist will ache okay. the next day. Mm-hmm. See, and that's, I think, in a unique gift that you have, like... You have this mindfulness of like remembering what happened yesterday, what happened today, and putting yes. all those puzzle pieces together. So other together. people might want to use yeah. an app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Track your food. Mm-hmm. It's not dieting. It's no. not like, it's not, it's not calories. It's not macros. It's not all that. It's eating, you know, reasonable, healthy foods. Yeah. And I wouldn't sub. I wouldn't go gluten-free and go buy all the gluten-free shelf yes. in the store. I would just eat, you know, rice and potatoes and, mm-hmm. you know. Things in their simplest Yes. From the dirt forms. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your meat and your mm-hmm. your yeah, mm-hmm. vegetables and fruits and things like that. I wouldn't I wouldn't go hog wild, especially at the beginning. Right. Of trying to find things to substitute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Allison, thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you for giving up hours that you could be alone doing whatever it is that you needed to do today. But Thank you for sharing this time with and all your wisdom with me. And thank you for being my extroverted friend. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> always keeping me coming back to the conversation. Thank you. I hope you don't feel like you just drink from a fire hose and you're saturated with all this wealth of knowledge and information about health and healing and food. So let me boil this thing back down for you. Ask yourself, how are you feeling? Literally, like pause, check in with your body. What symptoms have you been having? Any skin rashes, any digestive issues, any aches and pains in your body? Don't write these things off as, oh, I guess I'm just getting old. Think about the things you're eating. Think about the quality of your sleep, your energy, your mental health. Check in with your body. As a challenge for you this week, I also want you to think about who is a resource in your life? Who have you sat down with and had a similar conversation like I just had with Allison? Is there someone in your life that's knowledgeable about the health challenges that you're experiencing right now? If not, maybe you should reach out to a functional medicine person or an integrative practitioner or a health coach. Also flip that coin over, who can you share your knowledge with? I know that your life experience has been unique and you can pour back into somebody else's life knowledge and wisdom and understanding that you can bless them by sharing your experience with them. You are the expert on your body. That is one of my favorite lines from this episode with Allison. You are the expert. No doctor, no family member, no well-intentioned coworker knows your body as well as you do. So pause, check in with it. Because let me just tell you people, when your body falls apart, the whole thing falls apart. And you just can't keep going and doing the life that you would like to live. So check in with your body. Remember, every person is a present And you, my friend, are a present. So wrap that thing up well. Put a bow on it. Make sure that you are taking care of your own health 
so that you can be the person and the present to other people that you were intended to be.